The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. We have been sold a bill of goods that we should be positive all the time and never be negative and that we should look forward and never look back. And you know what? Looking forward is really good for us. Being positive is really good for us. But you don't want to only look forward. You want to look back because you can learn from looking back. It's Monday, and welcome to the Next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnat, and I'm going to be honest, I've got a few regrets. Oh, things have worked out pretty well overall, I suppose, but there are a bunch of things I think I could have done better in my life in my relationships, in my career, for my health. How about you? Have you lived an unblemished life, free from mistakes or things you wish you'd done differently or not at all? Maybe you're like me and you don't really like to think about your mistakes. That's just wallowing in the past, isn't it? It's just kicking myself for my errors of judgment or failures of character. And after all, it's probably not such a big deal and I'm fine and I should think positive thoughts and let go of the past and move on. Well, not so fast. My guest this week thinks that the universal human experience of regret is a necessary component of learning and growth, and we ignore or minimize our regrets at our peril. Daniel Pink is one of our curators here at the Next Big Idea Club. He was a speechwriter for Al Gore. He's written a bunch of books, including the New York Times bestsellers, Drive, The Surprising Truth of What Motivates Us, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing, and his latest, The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. Dan's had a pretty great career, a pretty great life, really. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have regrets. He does. We all do, whether we like to admit it or not. No regrets. We hear it everywhere. In hit songs, on tattoos, in celebrity interviews. From every corner of the culture, the message booms. Forget the past, seize the future. Bypass the bitter, savor the sweet. A good life has a singular focus, forward, and an unwavering valence, positive. Now, this philosophy makes intuitive sense, but there's just one problem. It's dead wrong. Regret is not dangerous or abnormal, a deviation from the steady path to happiness. It is healthy and universal, an integral part of being human. Everyone has regrets. In one study from the 1980s, regret was the second most common emotion expressed in interviews, trailing only love. And in my own survey of nearly 4,500 Americans, 99% of people admitted that they do at least occasionally experience this emotion. Regret is a universal human experience. The only people who don't have regrets are five-year-olds, people with brain damage and neurodegenerative disorders, and sociopaths. In other words, the inability to feel regret isn't a sign of psychological health. It's the sign of a grave disorder. Dan Pink, welcome to the next Big Idea Daily. I am so glad to be here daily. You are the man. You have written (laughs) so many books. You do this incredible pink cast. And perhaps most importantly to me, you're curating Next Big Idea Club books, helping our audience find the most interesting new nonfiction book. And we appreciate it. I love doing it. And I'm glad to be doing that. Glad to be talking to you, Michael. Always. 
So let, let's just get right into it. You start off by telling us that regret is universal. And I, I think there's some resistance to this idea because a lot of us have the either uh, cultural or, in my case, familial background to say, oh, I don't really regret anything. You know, everything's fine. I, I mean, I think that's because if I admit to having regrets, it's almost unbearable. It means my life is wrong in some way, that things have gone off the rails. And so it's easier and maybe maybe more optimistic to just push past that and say, I've got no regrets. Tell me why that's not the approach you recommend. Well, I don't recommend it for for two reasons. Uh, one, it is demonstrably untrue. Two, it is dangerous if you shape your behavior based on that belief. So to me, you know, this idea that we should have no regrets is in some ways the textbook definition of bullshit in that it's <laughs> something that is fundamentally false and that is dangerous if you believe it. I, I think a lot of us tend to think like, well, of course I have regrets, but other people don't. They're doing fine in their lives, and so I'd better not tell them about mine. I mean, are there people with no regrets? Does that exist as a personality type? Uh, it, it exists not necessarily as a personality type, but there are people who don't have regrets. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you an example. Five-year-olds. Five-year-olds do not have regrets. Why? Mm -hmm. Because regret is incredibly cognitively sophisticated. Let's just unpack that here for a moment, Michael, because it's we should we should be giving ourselves kudos for our, our brain's ability to do this incredibly complicated, cognitively gymnastic task. Here's what we do with regret. We get in a time machine mm -hmm. and we go back in time. We say, oh, if only I had married Fred instead of Ed. You negate what really happened, marrying Fred, mm -hmm. and you instead marry Ed. Mm -hmm. Then you're not done. You get back in your time machine and you come forward to the present. But here's the thing. The present now looks different because you've reconfigured the past. Mm -hmm. Right? That's incredibly difficult. So five-year-olds can't do that. Developmental psychologists have discovered that you have to be about seven or eight before you can even just do the cognitive work mm -hmm. that regret requires. So if you truly don't have regrets, and I'm gonna, we're going to try to talk people out of that, but if you truly don't have regrets, it probably means you are brain damaged, a sociopath, or a kindergartner. All right. Well, my father would take offense at this because I think he identifies as someone who has no regrets. And if we, if you asked him, he would insist that he has no regrets. And, you know, he's not a toddler, and he doesn't have uh, an advanced uh, degenerative brain disease that, that we know of. <laughs> but I think he, he would stick to his guns and say that he just is very happy with how his life has gone, and uh, his personality is such that he, he, he doesn't find it interesting or worthwhile, I think, to look backwards. Okay, so there are two very interesting things in, in that account. Number one is that he's happy with his, where his life is. You can be totally happy where your life is and still have regrets. Mm -hmm. All right. Those two things are utterly compatible. And it really it doesn't require a lot of cognitive capacity to put those two things together. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, let's go back to our example of the marriage. OK, mm -hmm. if only I. So, we go, so what are we talking about? Fred and Ed. I regret marrying Fred. I mm -hmm. regret marrying that idiot. But people also say, but at least. I have these two great kids. And if mm. you were to make people, if you were to make that person a bargain and say, listen, you can go back in time and for reals, never meet Fred. Mm -hmm. But the cost of that would be that you can't have these kids. People say, no, thank you. Right. I'll take the bad decision because I'm happy with my life, where my life is, but I still regret doing that. And I can use that decision 
to improve things later on. And that's the key. That is, when you have a regret, it doesn't mean you're maladjusted. It actually means you're normally adjusted. If you have a regret, it doesn't mean you don't like your life. You can still have your life. What it means is that you have made a decision or an indecision, taken an action or an inaction, and it was the wrong one, and it bugs you. And Mm. you have a choice of what to do with that. You can ignore it. Bad idea for reasons we'll get to. You can wallow in it. Worse idea. Or you can confront it. You can think about it. You can use it as a as a path forward. And so for, for people who, who refuse to think about their regrets, they are they, they're sacrificing learning. They're sacrificing growth. Right. Interesting. And I think that that is part of the resistance some of us feel is that we feel those are our options. Ignore it or wallow in it. Exactly. And, and since wallowing seems like such a bad idea, we'd say, well, I'll pick ignoring. But I think you're helping us see a a line we can walk, a path that that is neither of those things, but that actually is able to look at the regrets in a productive way. I, I, that's exactly right. And and let me see you and raise you just a little bit. So I want to show my work here because I so I'm making these claims about this. I think profoundly misunderstood emotion and, and, and understandably anybody listening to this is going to say, okay, how do you know? So one Mm. way we know is that there is 60 years of science, 60 years of evidence in, uh, in developmental psychology, which I mentioned before in neuroscience, in social psychology on this emotion. So we have science on this emotion. The second thing is that I've done some research of my own. One is I did something called the American Regret Project, which is the largest public opinion survey ever conducted on American attitudes about regret. And we asked people the question. I'm going to give you the words of the question and you'll see why. We asked people this question. How often do you look back on your life and wish you had done things differently? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm describing regret, but I'm not using the R word. Mm -hmm. 1% said never. Mm. 13% said rarely. And everybody else said at least occasionally. So this emotion is part of our cognitive machinery. Mm -hmm. It is Mm -hmm. part of who we are. And so this is, I'm, I'm taking the long route to this point, but this is why we can't ignore it. Because if it's so universal, if it's so ubiquitous, it has to be there for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason is that if we treat it right, it is useful. And at some level, we haven't exactly, as you say, we have not been taught how to treat it. So we, t- we choose ignoring over wallowing because it feels better, understandably. But we have a third option, which is examining, confronting, using as information. On the point of universality, I recently came across a clip of Orson Welles being interviewed years ago, and he was asked, do you have any regrets in your life? And he said, almost everything. <laughs> he said, I never understand those people who say I have no regrets. You know, I, it's incomprehensible to me. What are Mine you? are as, as uh, countless as the sands of the desert. You know, I, I, I can't imagine not, not uh, having a regret about almost everything. The main thing he regretted when pressed was that he fell in love with making movies, which he thinks has just deranged his life. And he wished he had, he had found a livelihood that was less stressful and time-consuming and exhausting. But it was interesting watching it because it is interesting to see, you know, an accomplished person say how deeply they regret things. And it almost felt 
radical and surprising. You know, the interviewer was clearly surprised that he said it because people don't like to admit it. And we don't tend to see it in the successful people around us. We don't know that they have those regrets. And so it's easy for us to think that maybe they don't. Amen. And I, mean, I think Orson Welles is a little overboard. Like you shouldn't really regret. It's, I think it's debilitating to regret everything you've done. I don't know yeah. how you can. I don't know how anybody can function that way. But I do think that we have been sold a bill of goods that we should be positive all the time mm-hmm. and never be negative and that we should look forward and never look back. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Looking forward is really good for us. Being positive is really good for us. But you don't want to only look forward. You want to look back because you can learn from looking back. You don't only want to have positive emotions, even though you want to have a lot of positive emotions, because negative emotions are functional. And, and I do think that, especially in America, we have been sold a bill of goods about endless, unrelenting positivity. That is not a healthy recipe for living. Positivity is very good on many different dimensions, but 100% positivity is not it's not functional. It does not pave the path to a life well-lived. Okay, now that we can admit we all have regrets, I'm hoping you'll bring yours to the surface this week. Dan will help us go through a process of turning these regrets into tools, life lessons that will help us make better decisions, perform better on a wide range of tasks, and even deepen our sense of meaning and connection. You can also find good stuff from Dan in our Next Big Idea app, There are e-courses there based on the power of regret and on his earlier book, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. It's available wherever you get your apps. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.